Good morning, everyone. We've been looking at, uh, over the summer, the character of God and just knowing who God is and what is his character, how does God deal with us, um, um, truly um, who is he and how do we re- relate to, to, to God. And there's uh, two scriptures that I want us to just um, really dive into this morning. And one of those is Psalms 136.1. And uh, you, can, you can turn there if you've got a Bible with you. And uh, Romans 8.28, those are going to be the two scriptures we're going to dive off uh, today. But uh, Psalms 136.1, I want us to read that together. And uh, it's up there on the screen. And, and so let's just read that together because we're talking about the goodness of God. And so we're looking at that God is good. And, and, and what we're going to specifically look at today, that, that God is even good when things don't seem good. Amen. How many know that's when it gets hard, right? It, it's, if God is good when things are good in my life and everything's going well, then I can say, well, God is good. How do we know God is good even when things aren't that good? And I want you to realize that the character of God and the goodness of God doesn't change. And that even in those times, God is still good. And hopefully that's what we're going to realize this morning. So let's read this together. I just want to read Psalms 136, one together as a group. Ready? Give thanks to the Lord, for he is good, for his steadfast love endures forever. That sounded so good. Let's read that again. Ready? Give thanks to the Lord, for he is good, his steadfast love endures forever. What the psalmist is saying there is that the character of God is good, that his love, that his steadfast love, that his enduring love always, always is there. It never ends. It's forever and ever and ever. And that's the one thing that we can count on God and about his goodness is that his love is always there. What Paul does for us in Romans 8.28 is he expresses the goodness of God even when things aren't going well for us. And how does God work his goodness out in our lives when things don't seem like they're going that well? And Paul expresses this thought when he says, and we know for those who love God, all things work together for good. Now, if you've got your Bibles, uh, just underline that all things, all things, all things. And so we're going we're gonna to look at that a little bit deeper. All things work for good. For those who are called according to his purpose, for those whom he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his son in order that he might be the firstborn among many brothers. And those whom he predestined, he also called. And those whom he called, he also justified. And those whom he justified, he also glorified. Now, how many of you would this morning believe that, that God is good, that, that God is good All the time, not just when things are going my way, but God is good all the time. How many of us would truly understand that that it is God's desire for us to know his goodness, even in the face of hardships and trials, he wants to he wants us to still experience his goodness. How many of us truly understand that God is good and it's God's desire desire for us to even experience his joy in the midst of, of trials? And it's hard for us to understand the goodness of God in the midst of of pain. And, and here's, here's something that's very interesting. One of Jesus' last prayers before he left this earth, he said this prayer in John 17, 13, and he, said, he says this to comfort us. He says, I am coming to you now, but I say these things while I'm still in the world so that they may have the full measure of joy within them. One of, one of Jesus' last prayers is that the followers of him would experience 
the fullness of God's joy. Now, the chapter right before that in John 16, Jesus talking to his disciples, and this is what he says in John 16, 22. He says, so with you, now is your time of grief, but I will see you again and you will rejoice and no one will be able to take away your joy. Now, here, here's in the context here, here's what's interesting. He's saying this, Jesus is saying this with full knowledge that they would be persecuted and, and in some cases even be put to death. Yet Jesus promises a joy that would never be taken away from them. Nothing, not, not disease, not persecution, not separation, not loneliness, not taxes, not high gas prices, uh, which are a little bit lower. Thank you, Jesus. Um, taxes, nothing can take away this joy that is in Christ. Now, the question is, how do we embrace this and even live by this living in a broken world? And so this is one of Jesus' last prayers, and he wanted his disciples to know this. And he says, listen, I'm going to give you joy that you're going to even experience the goodness of God, even in the midst of bad things. Now, how many of you have ever wondered in your Christian walk, as you try to follow God, that your walk can be fickle at times? That, that there can be some days where you feel really good and um, you, you think about the goodness of God and, and you think to yourself, man, I am, I am really getting this stuff. I, I really feel spiritual and I feel closer to God. And then the next day, um, someone cuts you off the road or somebody's rude to you. And all that joy that you had the day before got thrown right out of the window. No, that's never happened to any except for me. Okay, then let me, I'm just going to preach to myself that no. Um, how many of you, that, that happens to us, doesn't it? You, you have one day where you feel so close to God and you understand the goodness of God and then something throws all that into a tizzy and it all gets thrown out the window. And at this point, you're even at the point of even doubting your salvation. Am I even a Christian at, at this point? Uh, how many of you know what I'm talking about? That happens to all of us. One moment, you're saying how good God is. The next moment, we're yelling at someone because uh, they, they, they cut us off. Now, now, how many of this, this, this might have happened um, to you? Don't raise your hands. Um, you're, you're, you're driving um, to church and you made it a priority. So we're going to come to church. And, and as you go to church or right before church, you got in a fight with your spouse. Now, you're in the car and you're pretending that everything is good. And then you know that you have to worship God. And, but, but all the while, you feel like a big hypocrite. And so when you walk in and they were saying, hey, how you doing? You know, you just got a fight. You know, and you're like, oh, everything's really good. Praise God. Ready to come worship Jesus. Meanwhile, your wife sits on the other side of the sanctuary and you're not sitting together. Um, so, so the question is, this is what I want to pose you this morning. Um, how do we um, live our lives where we understand where Jesus is saying that that, that this joy that he desires to give to us to understand the goodness of God, um, how do we not allow those things to get robbed um, in our life? And, 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 and I, you know, I'm facetious about talking about our spouses and people cutting off, off the road. That, that happens, and we're going to have good days and, and bad days. But I want us to really have a correct understanding of the goodness of God and the right understanding of God's joy that that God is good 
irregardless. It, it, it doesn't matter what goes on in this world. God is still good. And, and not only is he good, but he wants us to experience his goodness even in the midst of a broken world. And, and I think what happens to us, because all of us go, we all live in a broken world. We're all going to go through times that are difficult and hard in our life. God doesn't take the Christian and separate us and, and, and allow us not to go through those pains and, and trials. We all go through things as followers of Christ, as those that don't follow Christ. We still go through those trials. But God says, listen, even in those times, I want you to realize that I am working all things out for your good. So in, in Romans 8, Paul tells us that, listen, we live in a broken world. We are not above the suffering that occurs in this world. That this shouldn't take us by surprise. Jesus understood this. This was Jesus' last prayers. Jesus spoke this to his disciples, knowing full well that they were going to go through persecution and hardships. But yet he says, I want them to experience the fullness of my joy, even living in this broken world. C.S. Lewis in his book, The Problem of Pain, explains why there is so much pain in our world. And we, we have to understand that, that, that the choice of man because of their free will has allowed things to happen in our world because we chose not to serve God. And if you read Romans chapter 1, Paul explains it to us that man decided not to follow God and instead choose his own way and his own will and follow his own desires. And God gave them over to those desires as judgment. And so we live in a world that is based on man making choices on their own will. And we all know that we're born in sin. And because of that, we see the brokenness in our world today. But in his book, The Problem of Pain, C.S. Lewis says this. Here's how God tried to rectify all that. He sends a redeemer who would reconcile fallen mankind to a righteous God. And so Christ says, even in the midst of this brokenness, I have come into this world to fix the brokenness that was caused by us. That's how much he loves us. That's how much God uh, pours out his grace upon us by not just abandoning us and leaving us up to our own demise. But he says, you know, what? I'm going to do something about it and I'm going to fix the brokenness and restore that. So as we live in this broken world, we can still know that God is good and we can still experience his Joy, And so how can we experience the goodness and the joy of God in the midst of a broken world? That's the question. When we're going through real life problems, how can we still experience the goodness of God? How can we find um, this joy in the midst of my brokenness and the brokenness even of my past? Where we look at our past and there's a lot of guilt and condemnation because of the bad choices that I've made. Can God still use that? For his goodness, because we look back and we say, man, I don't want to look back at my past because of all the bad choices that I've made. And can God still use that? Well, the quick answer is, yeah, he can. It's amazing how he can restore our brokenness and redeem us back to him. And to use those things and to change those things for his purposes and his glory and still use us. I like what Tim Keller says here. He says, Paul tells us in, in Romans 8 here, Paul tells us that if we, if we follow Christ, our bad things turn out for good. Our good things 
can never be lost, and our best things are yet to come. I just love that. If you take notes, you should have been writing that down, because that's good. Listen to what he says. Our bad things turn out for good. Who does that, right? Our bad things turn out for good. Our good things can never be lost, and our best things are yet to come. And that's the hope that we have in Christ Jesus. So let's, let's understand what Paul is saying here. Paul tells us that God works all things for good. Now, here's the problem with this verse. Um, is this just a neat verse to throw at someone who has just gone through a difficult trial to make them feel better? Is this, is this kind of a band-aid? Because we've used this verse and somebody's gone through a trial and, 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 and a difficult thing in their life and you say, well, you know what? God works all things for his good. And at that time, you're like, that's the last thing you want to hear, right? When you're going through a trial, you're like, thank you. That just made me feel a whole lot better, right? It, 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 throwing a Band-Aid at something, a scripture at something, sometimes at people, does not help them. How, what, what, is, what does Paul mean here? Is it just, is it just a, 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 a scripture we just throw at somebody to try and help them get through their problem? What does this mean? Uh, this means both good and bad, that, that God is working all things for his good. A misconception that a follower of Christ might have is that bad things will not happen to us. Now, for those of you who have been a follower of Christ for any amount of time, how many of you know that bad things do happen to those that follow Jesus? And, and here, here's, here's the problem with that. If we're not careful in following Christ, we can have this moralist view of God, which is this. If I am good and serve God, then bad things will not happen to me. That's a moralist view of God. That means if, if I put in my good works, God, that means that, that I'm immune from, from bad things that are going to happen to me. Being a follower of Christ, we need to understand this, that that is not true, that things will happen to us even as we're sincerely trying to follow God with our whole heart. But, 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 but this is the, the, the thinking that nothing will happen to me is just wrong thinking. Bad things can happen to those who believe in God, even when it's maybe even not their own fault. Isn't it much easier for us to, to accept a problem when we've made that bad choice? Because we can own up to it. We can say, you know what? I just made these bad choices in my life and I know that I'm wrong here and I need to repent. I need to make these things right with God. I need to make these things right with other people. It's easy to accept responsibility when we've done something wrong. But what about if you did nothing wrong and something happens that's beyond your control, whether it's sickness or job loss or, or whatever it might be, that, 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 that you're like, I just, I just can't put my finger on this. Why did this happen? Those are the times that it's most difficult to realize, how is God good there? And, and, and I don't know about you, but me speaking for me personally, those are the hard times. And as a pastor, I've got to sit here and, and do many, many funeral services for funerals that just don't make sense. And what do you say to people that come and you're trying to give them, you know, this picture of God and how much he loves them when this thing does not make sense? How do we find out the goodness of God when life just does not make sense and we just can't connect the dots? Now, how many of you have ever felt this way? Why is this thing happening to me? 
Why is this happening to me? Um, God, what did I do wrong? Is God punishing me? Is God punishing me for something that I'm, I'm doing wrong? See, that's a moralist view of God, that, that when something goes wrong, that's beyond my control, I, I've got to figure out something here that there's got to be something that I, what did I do wrong and how can I, how can I fix this? To make it right. Well, let me just say this. In those circumstances, you may not have done anything wrong. And sometimes in our lives, we want to look and say, well, we want to fix this and I want to fix this and I want to make this right. What did I do wrong? Why are all these things happening to me? Well, let me just be honest with you this morning. You may think that all these things are happening to you and it doesn't happen to anybody else. But you know what? It's happening to everybody else. Everybody else goes through difficultness in their life. And I think for us as the body of Christ, we need to realize that we all have problems, that we all have issues, that we all struggle in our life, that there's no one here that has it all together. And so that, that's a moralist view because I think that the trap we fall into in Christianity is that I have it all together. And I need to let everybody else know that I have it all together. And, and I'm embarrassed to let coworkers who maybe aren't followers of Christ to know that I'm struggling because I don't want them to see the kink in my armor. Is, is, is that what God is calling us to? I don't think so. That we all struggle, that we all have pains. And I think the more vulnerable we are and the more transparent we are, the more God is glorified. And the more we rely on his strength to help us through those times that we can't understand. So... We have to understand, too, that we live in this broken world, that we live with the wrong choices of others, and those choices obviously affect us. So I want you to notice what Paul is saying here about what does he mean when he works out all things for his good. Now, I want you to notice Paul isn't saying things work out for good on their own. Paul isn't saying that. Paul's, he's not saying that things work out for good on their own. The good that is happening is a direct result of God. God is working all those things out for good. So what is Paul saying and what, he, what isn't he saying? Well, Paul is saying that bad things will happen and God will work them out for good. Now, he's not saying that bad things are good. He's not saying that bad things are good. He's not, he's not, he, he, he's not promising that, that um, um, we're going to always have better circumstances. But he's not saying that, that bad things are good. He's not saying, oh, that look at the bad things. Well, these bad things are necessarily good. Guess what? They are bad things. They're not good. And so we have to look at them as, as things that, that aren't good. But, but, but God, he's not saying that, oh, well, well, just try to trick your mind and just think that the bad things are good things and this is going to make you feel better. That's not what Paul is saying. See, here's the promise. What Paul is saying is God will work them for good. God will work them for good in your life. How many of you would say that death is a bad thing? It's not a good thing. In fact, um, it brings sadness and loneliness and, and pain. When, when Jesus was at, um, came to Lazarus' death, um, and he came in, and Mary and Martha were, were, were distraught because they felt if Jesus would have came earlier, he could have saved the situation. But Jesus waited to come, and then we, you know, eventually would raise Lazarus from the dead. But before he came, people were mourning. They were, 
they were crying because of what death had done. It brings sadness and loneliness and separation. And so when Jesus came to that, that situation, he didn't jump up and down and said, this is a good thing. Yay. What did he do? He wept. Jesus wept. He saw the destruction. He, 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 he saw what death does to us. Death is the result of sin. And that's exactly why Jesus came to conquer that pain for us. Jesus hated what death has done to us. That's, that's why he conquered it for us. Death is bad. Jesus would work it for good by raising Lazarus from the grave and showing that he has the power over it. Does that make sense? So death is bad, but then God worked it for good by saying, listen, this isn't going to hold you down. This isn't, death's not going to have the last say. I've got the last say. Now, now mm, mm, some of you need to hear this. Listen. Some of you are thinking in your life right now, because of the choices you made or the addiction that you have in your life, you're thinking that thing has the last say and God say, no, it doesn't. It does not have the last say. I've got the last say and I'm going to take that thing, which is a bad thing, which has created bad things in your life. And I'm going to turn around and I'm going to conquer it for you. I'm going to do it for you. That thing is not going to have the last say over your life. And I will take that bad thing and I'm going to work it for my good to show how good I am in your life if you trust me. And some of you here, you're in a desperate situation because you feel like that thing has the last say in your life because you can't conquer it in your own strength. God says it's not the last thing. It's not going to have the last say in your life. I'm going to have the last say. And so when Jesus came to Lazarus' death, he says, I will have the last say here. And he raised Lazarus from the dead to show that he has the power over death and loneliness and separation and all those things that seem bad. God says, I have the last say. And I'm going to turn it into good. What, what else isn't Paul saying? Well, Paul isn't saying that if you love God, the bad things aren't really bad. They're really good things. Okay, that's not what he's saying. It's not some disguise to say, well, these bad things, but in fact, they're really good things. So just see them as good things. No, they are bad things. Paul is saying that God will take the bad things and work them out for good according to his purpose. And, and you see, this is where trust comes in. I may never know why I was taken through a certain thing and I shouldn't, and you shouldn't burden yourself to try to figure it all out. I should just trust God and know that he has an infinite plan. You see, if we think if, if I could just know the reason for this particular thing and why I went through it, I would feel better. Well, God is not playing some game with you it, 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 it's, it's not okay that, 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 that um, you know, maybe I'll say, okay, I'll, I'll, um, I'll, I'll wait a week and then this thing is going to turn into a good thing. And I'm going to try to find all these things that this thing is going to try to change into a good thing. So that what we're looking at is every bad thing and seeing how God can turn it into a good thing. Here's what I want you to see. God wants to use those things to change us completely. 
He's not trying to play little games with you where you look at this bad thing and say, how's this, how's this going to turn out to good? And I've got to look for all these things to make myself feel better. And, and I, listen, 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 please listen to your pastor here. Okay? When someone is going through deep grief, and I know this because many of you know we lost our first child. And, and, and going through a loss of something so deep, and those of you that have gone through similar things in your life, and somebody comes up to you and says, God's going to use it for good. You want to punch him in the face at that point. I'm just being honest with you. I know people mean well. That doesn't help people. You see, because what we tend to do is we say, okay, well, now I'm going to look for all these little things to try to find the good that happened to why this thing happened in my life. Listen, I had to come to the conclusion in my life that God was trying to do something completely different in Barden's your race. That God wanted me to come to the point where I say, Barden, do you really trust me in this situation? Yes, this was a bad situation. But I want you to know that I'm still good. Now, did we see the goodness of God in many different ways? Yeah, we did. Are people, were people trying to be mean or, or just trying to, you know, say things just to make it, their hearts were right in saying those things. And I'm not saying that they were wrong, but let's be careful that we just don't throw a bandaid on something just trying to make people feel better. God has to take us through those things sometimes so he can do a complete work in us. And it took me time. It, it took me time to get through that. And let me just say this. I don't remember going through that time of grief and pain. I don't really remember anything anyone said to me, to be honest with you. I don't remember any, because I know people threw a lot of scripture verses at me. And a lot, I don't remember any of them. I'll tell you what I do remember. Can I tell you what I do remember? I do remember that my phone rang. No, I'm just saying. I do remember this. Here's what I do remember. I remember the people that just stood with me. That just said, hey, Barden, let's go out and get a cup of coffee. Hey, Barden, let's just go out and get some dinner. I just remember the people that just stood with me and just loved on me and just helped me to walk through it. Because you know what? God had to do the work in my heart. And what I'm going to do for you at the end of the message, I'm going to give you five things to help you to get through really difficult things in your life. And, 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 and I want you to write these down because I think they are so important to help us to get through this. So, so let me just finish this and then I'm, I'm going to give you those five things and then we're going to, we're going to take uh, communion together. So here, here's the thing. God gets us to the point that we have to trust him even when things don't make sense. And, and this is where we fall back on the character of God. Now, listen to me. Listen to me. What God wanted to show me through that time of grief is that he wanted to show me that, that Barden, I'm still good. Even in this bad situation, I want you to know that I'm still good and I, and, and, and I want you to trust me. Um, there was this book that is just an incredible book because it, it's so brutally honest with um, going through a deep pain. And there's a book by C.S. Lewis. It's called Grief Observed. And it's really... It wasn't a book that he actually wrote. It was actually a, col a collection of notebooks that Lewis wrote. And he wrote down his thoughts and pains 
of this, of, of what he went through in the grieving process that he went through after the loss of his wife to cancer after being only married three years. In fact, the 1985 movie Shadowlands, if you've ever seen that, is from um, that, those writings. And he says something in these writings that's incredible. Because here, listen, listen. We can sit there and understand the goodness of God when things are going well in our life. But how many know when, when something happens that rocks our world, that's when the trust has to come in. Do I still know that God is good? Do I still go back to that prayer that Jesus, I know they're going to go through pain, but I want them to know my joy, that, that my joy is never going to be stolen from them, even in this broken world, that I'm going to fix all the things that are broken, maybe not in this world, but eventually they will be fixed. Can I get an amen? Heaven fixes all that stuff. It's restored in all that brokenness. This is what C.S. Lewis said. He says, just his grief going through this, he says, you will never know how much you really believe anything until it's truth or falsehood becomes a matter of life and death to you. It's easy to say you believe a rope to be strong and sound as long as you're merely using it to cord a box. But suppose you had to hang by that rope over a precipice or over a cliff. Wouldn't you then first discover how much you really trusted it? See, this whole notion that God won't give you any more than you can handle is a bunch of hogwash. Can I just tell you that? How many have ever been told, somebody came up to you and says, you know what? God says he can't give you any more than you can handle. Totally misuse of scripture. That's not what that verse means. He's talking about temptation, not, not life's pressures. How many of you are like me? There are times that you can't handle it. Let's just be honest. There are times in your life where you can't handle it. And I believe this is, this is where God comes alongside of us and shows us his goodness and his grace. I believe it is those times that God is never nearer to us at those times. That when we feel like we can't go on, when we feel like we can't make it one more day, I believe that that's where God is nearest to us, that we can experience his goodness and his joy, even in the midst of those hard times. Tim Keller says, sometimes God, sometimes it seems like God is killing us when actually he's saving us. And I had to get to that point in my life. And I felt like that after the death of our daughter, I felt like God is killing us, but in fact, God was saving me. And, and I can remember at that time, just reading through the Psalms and everybody that goes through that always reads through Job. And I read through Job. I did the whole, I did the whole thing. I did the whole Job circuit and you know why. I, I did all that. And I think that's important. But I remember reading through the Psalms. And I can remember this one verse. And I read this verse over and over and over and over again. And it meant nothing to me. But all of a sudden, in, the, in those months after our daughter's death, this verse became pivotal in my life. And basically it says this. There may be sadness. There may be sadness at night. But joy comes in the morning. 
And I knew that God was faithful. And I knew that God was good. But those words just jumped off the page at me to show me that, God, thank you for your joy, even in the midst of this pain and this trial. Sometimes God seems like he's killing us, but actually he's saving us. So let me just give you five things real quick. If you want to write these down, go ahead. You don't have to, but if you want to. Here are things for those of you that either you're going through something now or you've been through something or you will go through something because I guarantee you will. You will go through something. Here are five things that God showed me during this time in my life. Number one, here's how you're going to find God's goodness. And even when it's hard and difficult and there are things that don't make sense, here's how you get through it. Number one, don't isolate yourself. It's the worst thing you can do. Because when we go through pain and trials, the first thing we want to do is we don't want to talk to anyone. We just completely want to isolate ourselves. Do not isolate yourself, which leads into step number two here, or, or the second thing I've learned is ask for prayer. Ask for prayer. It's, it's okay when you're going through and you don't understand why you're going through something and, and you ask for prayer. And, and I know for me, because when I went through that time in my life, I was actually a pastor so I was like, I was on the other side. Normally it's, you know, the pastor praying for everybody and helping them through, through their life's trials and, and being there and so on and so forth. But I had to be on the other side and I was the one that had to ask for prayer in my life. And sometimes that's a humbling thing, but that's okay because that's going to help you to get through those times and, and to see God's goodness and to see the family of God wrap its arms around you. You need prayer and it's, it's okay to feel like you're not making it. It's okay to feel like you're overwhelmed. That's okay. Ask for prayer because that's where you'll find the strength of God and the help from other people. Number three, keep fighting even when you don't feel like it. Now, what do I mean by that? Sometimes you're going to have to make a choice to do something even when you don't feel like it. And, 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 and what I mean by that is this is where <clears throat> you, you, you've got to keep coming to church even when you don't feel like it. Because, thank, thank you, Ruth. She, she gets that. Um, even when you don't feel, because here, here's the reason why. Not, not to make it some legalistic thing, but here's the thing. The reason why you need to be in the family of God, because there's going to be a time that you're going to be sitting in God's presence, or there's going to be a worship song that you're going to be singing, and God is just going to speak right to your heart. And you need to be in that atmosphere. So, so, so continue to come. Continue to read your Bible, even when you don't feel like it. Um, buy books on what you're going through, good Christian books on what you're going through so that even though you don't feel like it, God can speak to your heart. Keep fighting even when you don't feel like it because you are going to be surprised at how God speaks to you even in the midst of your pain and even in the midst of your misunderstanding and why am I going through this? God will speak to you. The fourth thing that really helped me through that time is, is I journaled. And, and basically what journals is just you're writing down your thoughts of what you're going through in scripture verses. And it's amazing that when I um, take my journal out and I go back to 1995 and I read through that, I'm like, wow, just the scripture verses that God spoke to me and how faithful God was through those times. 
journaling helps you get your thoughts down and just be raw with God and, and, and sharing, here's what I'm going through. Here's a scripture verse uh, uh, that helped me through this. Um, um, all those things help you to, to rely on God and to get your feelings out and to get them down on paper. I just think journaling is, is fantastic. I just think it helps you. It's a spiritual discipline that just helps you um, with, your, with your walk. And then um, the fifth thing that just, I think, really helped me through those times is, um, is when you pray, be honest with God. And don't stop praying. And here's the thing. When you pray and you're just, you're just honest with God with your feelings and with what you're going through, God knows it's okay to be honest with God and to say, I'm not doing good today. I'm having a bad day. Um, you know, I'm struggling today. You get those out to the Lord. The Lord knows your heart. The, the Bible tells us to cast all our cares at his feet, to cast all our cares upon the Lord because he cares for us. And so he wants to know your heart. He already knows it. He already knows um, what, what, you're, what you're going through. He already knows that. So it's, 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 not, you know, it's, it's not anything new to him. And he wants you to keep developing that relationship. And, and, and I believe that if you keep those things consistent in your life, you will see the goodness of God through all those things. And, and, and here's, looking back, here's how I can look back at the, at the goodness of God. I see how God provided, God provided, God provided, God provided. We didn't have money for this. God provided. We didn't have medical, uh, enough medical uh, to, to make up for the medical bills. God provided. We didn't have money for the funeral. God provided. I mean, it's all these things that God said, Barton, I haven't left you. I'm going to provide for you. And I look back and I can say this with all my heart, that God is good. He is good. Don't give up on him. Don't give up on him. And he's working out all things for his purpose. That God might be glorified in your life. And there's a joy that is in my heart because I know that God is faithful. Even when things don't seem to work out the way I want them to work out, God is is still faithful. Amen.